I want to welcome you all in tonight. Tonight's topic is I hate sex and we're dealing with sex in the soul. If you're interested in any of the material that I'm getting a foundation from or I got any of my training from in school, we used um, Dr. Paula Reinhardt's book, Sex and the Soul. Sex and the Soul by Dr. Paula Reinhardt. And um, very intriguing, very interesting. It kept my eyes wide open and my brain turning and my heart yearning through this entire class that I was in in uh, my psychology training and pastoral counseling. So God bless you and welcome. I want to give a demonstration. And the demonstration that I want to do tonight is I want you to think. Now, for some of us, we've got to think way back. But I want you to think of some of your partners in life, some of the people that you were intimate with. Think of some of the people you were intimate with. Of course, please like and share. Please like and share. It helps um, not just for the one doing the work, but it helps for those who need this information and this life-changing healing and deliverance. So I want you to think of those that you have been intimate with. Think about those people that you exposed yourself to. You became vulnerable in front of them in more than one way. Um, you became um, naked and maybe for a moment um, not afraid or not ashamed. Think back. If you can, and, and some may think it's strange that I'm, I'm even proposing this statement that way, but if you can, think of who the first person was that you had sex with. Who was it that you engaged with when you ended your virginity? Let's think about that. And um, hopefully you're at home doing this by yourself. So let's just say, okay, here's your soul. And we're going to write down some of the names of people that we've engaged with sexually. You're going to name as many as you can name. The rest I'm not going to go into too much detail. Um, and then I'll put my husband on here. All right, so these are the names. Now, doesn't matter what they say. doesn't matter that you can't read it. That's not what is important. What is important is, is that your soul knows every single person that you had sex with. Whether your soul recognizes it by the scent, the smell, the memory, the location, a conversation, maybe the sweetest words that ha have ever been spoken to you in your life, but you move on. You know, someone took your virginity. We know what that is usually like. doesn't last for a, a, a larger, sad majority of us. It would be great if God had his way. And um, we could always be in love with the person who we shared that ending and that new beginning of our life with because then we would really only desire them. We wouldn't really know what apples and pears and plums taste like. So we wouldn't yearn for them. Or when we get disappointed with this one, we won't yearn for what the other one had. We only knew this one. Could you imagine how fantabulous marriage would be if you only knew your spouse to give you this euphoric Oh my God, almost eternal, gratifying feeling that no one else in the world has ever given you and how you rely and depend on them for that feeling and that ecstasy. I mean, next to food, most people know that it's, it's either food or sex, sex or food. It's just the way it goes. And if you only knew one person, how dependent on that person would you be? How much more appreciative, how much more respectable would you be? Well, that's not life. 
So we start out and we make our way somewhere down the line some kind of way. Um, if your line doesn't look like this, don't worry about it. That's not what counts. What I want to make for a point tonight is just like all these names were up here, time goes on. We could say the 80s, uh, the 90s, the 2000, 2010, the 2020s. And, you know, we can write it down and then we can just erase it. No big deal, right? Because that's what time does. Isn't that what time does? Time erases. Time heals. Time makes it go away. Haven't you been told that? Haven't you been told you should have been over that by now? Because time heals. What do you care what's written anywhere? What do you care on what you've done or who's been with you? Just as, as you move on in time, time heals. There's nothing for you to worry about, right? Well, guess what? That is not how the soul works. So let's talk about some good information tonight. The topic may have really gotten you in and gotten you interested because a large majority of you might be thinking, who in the world hates sex? Well, believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there that hate sex or think that they hate sex. A lot of them, a good majority of them are married and a small majority of them are still single. But there are people that because of different reasons, most of the reasons unknown, hate or think they hate sex. So let's go into this tonight. You know, I always give a testimony. So we'll work our way up to a testimony. What would make someone hate sex? Well, let's talk tonight for a moment, if you will. Again, welcome on. Welcome on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Oh, God, I can't even name them all, but welcome, welcome, welcome. I love to receive your emails. Please do not be afraid to email me any question at all. I'm open to hearing and discussing and replying to. The email is info at SuzanneMHoward.com, info at SuzanneMHoward.com, and our website address is www.SuzanneMHoward.com. We keep it very simple. All right, let's indulge. That women may actually be the losers in the sexual revolution is an idea just dawning on this generation of young women who feel as sexually free as it is possible to feel and yet are so often powerless to experience anything more with the opposite sex than unsatisfying loveless flings. That's by Danielle Crittenden. The woman that I'm listening to in this therapy session, she sits back on the couch across from me and she slides back, adjusting her skirt as though preparing for an important interview. So I knew that this discussion today was going to be very important to her. Claire is the name we're going to use for this case study. And Claire is a lovely woman. She's about 30 years old. She's married. She's married to a man she met a couple years ago in a law firm where she works. But Claire is not happy. She's not happy about being in a counselor's office, first of all, but she has someone to finally talk to. There is tension in her marriage and she's scared. I asked her to tell me about the problem, which of course could be any number of things. Well, she starts out slowly and she starts out like this. It's sex. The problem is that I hate sex. 
Occasionally, I get a chance to talk to women who just plain honest, no fuss, no hedging about it, no effort to clean up their dirty elephant in the room. They just straight out, flat out hate sex. I hear this statement more often nowadays than I believe some of our older counterparts have heard in therapy sessions because of what, again, I will stress from last week's teaching is our sexual evolution, our sexual um, agenda that we are all involved in now. Let's get back to Claire. Claire goes on to describe why she finds this part of her life so disagreeable. It's boring. She's been there before. She feels a trifle bit used, though she's not sure where this feeling is coming from. She and her husband became Christians a few years ago, and she hoped this would change her feelings about sex, but it hadn't. I could live my whole life and never miss sex. She almost whispers the words. She feels so guilty for feeling this way about sex. After all, she's only in her 30s. Her husband is tired as well, but he's not tired of sex. He's tired of her disinterest and her rejection of sex and of him. He hints that he can't live like this, not feeling wanted sexually by his wife. Claire is beginning to panic. Somewhere in this conversation, Claire starts to turn the pages in her life for me. And she goes back a few years. History is always important in therapy sessions. She begins to talk about the first time she had sex. Why the first time? It's not even anything we memorize. We don't think of it as often as, as we did when we were 16 or 18 or, or 22. Why is she going back to her first encounter? My, 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 do I have some very good information for you tonight. She begins to talk about the first time she had sex. I didn't want to have a bad experience in losing my virginity. Like some of my friends, she says. So I found a guy I didn't feel anything special for, and I had sex with him. That way, I could just get over it and get on with the one that I wanted. Losing your virginity was something you just wanted to get over? I think I must have heard clear wrong. Well, sure, that way I wouldn't get hurt. Remember I shared mine last week so that I could fit in? Where's the self-esteem, huh? That way I wouldn't get hurt or so I thought. Then maybe I would enjoy sex according to the plan. Sex became something Claire did to keep relationship. Let me say it in the front row and I'll say it in the balcony. Claire became conscious about the fact that she had sex to keep relationship. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Somehow, though, things didn't go according to plan. Sex became something Claire did to keep a guy over and over and over again. Over the years, there were a lot of guys, including the man she eventually married. She loves him, but sex is stuck in the place where it began for her. She knows it should be different now because she's married, right? On my honeymoon, I could feel the gel bars coming down, Claire confessed. She saw herself facing a lifetime of feeling reluctant and used. She just hadn't expected that it would affect the overall health of her marriage this month. What is she going through? What is Claire going through here? Let's dive in. 
Sometimes it takes a while. Most times it takes a while for a woman to feel the weight of sexual relationships with men she has known. After all, we live in a culture, right? Determined to minimize the impact of sex. Sex is supposed to be one that is more pleasing to be between a couple people or even more. The emotional aftermath is usually just swept under the rug in some hotel room or in someone's apartment and we make no plans to see each other later or tomorrow. The truth is, often, much closer to Claire's story, she knows sex with her husband should feel all the glory, all the fullness and all the sweetness of her own personal abandonment to someone she really loves. But instead, it brings up the feelings she didn't know she even had. Memories she had long forgotten. New psychological research underscores, listen to this, the impact of first sexual experiences. Have you ever heard the laws of first things first? Well, guess what? It is embedded in science and it's embedded in all of your neurons. It's embedded in everything that works um, from cell to cell inside of your body, your hippocampus, your neurons. It's all connected and your soul never forgets. Let's go on. New psychological research underscores the impact of first sexual experiences. Psychology Today senior editor Jay Dixit writes this. Intense emotional sensations etch first experiences deeply into memory, creating what psychologists call flashbulb memories. You heard it, flashbulb memories. Dixit quotes another psychologist named Susan Anderson. Powerful first relationships can stamp a template in your mind that gets activated in later interactions in your life. It's like a hidden stealther. It shows up when you think you've settled and you think you've conquered and you think you made a choice and everything that you've done beforehand is all washed away in time, right? Except for this. Because the soul never forgets. It has an awesome memory bank. It's going to remember at the most inconvenient time for you and I. So first things first. First, sex relationships make indelible impressions. They stay up a template in our minds and they do get activated or become reactivated later on in our interactions in life. It's like the brain records the experience of first sex or first love on an inerasable tape. It's funny because even though this is erased, if you look close enough, you can still see the circle and you can tell that there was some writing on this board. You can't see it from the screen properly. It looks pretty clear, but here I can see where the circle was and I can see that there was some writing there. So as much as I'd like to believe that it's not there, it's really there. It's just gone from the conscious front side of the board to the unconscious side of the board that's a little deeply embedded in this stuff that this board is made of. Am I speaking clearly to you? Are you understanding how your brain works? Everything is in files and just files it away in another filing cabinet. Let me tell you about these flashbulb memories. What exactly is this? Let me tell you. Flashbulb memories is a vivid, enduring memory associated with a personally significant and emotional event. Mm, let me bring it back to you again. 
Flashbulb memories. It's two words. Flashbulb memory is a vivid, enduring memory associated with a personally, personally significant and emotional event. Flashbulb memories are more likely to be retained than everyday memories. Let me rewind that for you. Flashbulb memories are more likely to be retained than everyday memories. A woman often feels the effect of social and sexual bonds being broken more deeply than she ever thought she would. Yep, it does take two to tangle. We get that, at least two to tangle. But sex outside of marriage is usually harder on the woman. Come on, women, say it back to me. Put it on the screen because as much as you'd like to believe you're no less than a man, you're no different than a man. You know, Mother's Day went by and a lot of y'all wish happy Mother's Day to each other, which to me is insane and just pure ignorance. Because as much as you may be raising your child as a single mom, you will never be the child's dad. You can never be the child's dad and you can never be male. But I'll leave it alone tonight. I'll let y'all come at me another night for that. But I have facts. Science, it doesn't lie. It can be improved through data and investigation and research, but it's not going to lie to you. He created the them, male and female. We can change our name. We can change our gender. We can change our dress. Um, we can change our gender identity. We can change our preferred gender identity, I should say. But you are male through DNA and female through DNA. And that my people will never change. So as much as you'd like to be him or believe that you're something other than, guess what? Because of your makeup, your chemical makeup, not Mac, not the stuff that can make you look real good. Mm -mm. We're talking about the DNA, the neurons. We're talking about the hippocampus. We're talking about the things that make us become who we are. will tell you differently than what you've been experiencing. Come on, let's continue on this journey. It takes two to tangle, but outside of marriage, it is always harder on women. That's not fair. I hear that a lot in my office. Yes, especially from the young girls. And I totally agree. But guess what? There are solid reasons why we feel the impact more. Let's go. You can see the reality of this mirrored in the physical dimension. Someone say physical dimension. A woman is far more likely to contract a sexually transmitted disease than the man she slept with. I'm going to say it again. A woman is far more likely to contract a sexually transmitted disease than the man she sleeps with. The most prevalent vial STD of this time is the human papilloma virus, HPV a major cause of cervical cancer in women. Let me let it digest. Let me let it work itself from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Because I got a few inboxes on y'all last week and some of y'all was like, I'm irritated with you already. And some said, I'm already upset why you're even touching sex, but I'm going to stay with you on this journey. Others said they took the earplugs out of their ears and they had to walk away for a little while. And, you know, there's a lot of maybe new or maybe concentrated in your face type of details that God called this, this type of woman to teach this lesson to us because sex matters because you matter. 
There was a lot put into you being created, wonderfully created, knitted together, created. No other thumbprint of anyone else in this world created. A lot went into you being created, made in the image of, image day, in the image of God, in his likeness, his character. He shared his earth with you, his authority with you. He put you in high places, gave you power to trample over enemies. And you think you don't matter? That you can just go in from one set of sheets to the next and there's going to be no impact on you? I'm teaching on the soul. I do not differentiate whether it's in Christendom, preaching, pastoring. The soul does not have a gender. So when I'm speaking and I'm speaking to a woman, I'm talking about her biochemical makeup, her biological makeup. When I speak to the male, I'm speaking to his biological makeup. Outside of that, it's the soul, baby. So you were biologically created and wired differently than your male counterpart because your purpose in creation and um, um, reproducing life is two different parts. A lot went into you and to throw yourself around as if you don't matter, to try to become other as if you were not planned. You may not have been planned by mama or daddy, but trust me, the gatekeeper of heaven and earth, he had to approve you coming into this earth. You were approved to bust through the celestial earth and to, to, to the celestial heavens to make your way on earth and you get here and you throw yourself around and slop yourself around as if you don't matter but then you get mad if someone else doesn't respect you respect starts at home s-e-l-f home s-e-l-f let me continue a woman is far more likely to contract a sexually transmitted disease than a man, even the one she slept with. The most prevalent STD is human papilloma virus, HPV, which is a major cause of cervical cancer in women. Do you know how many women? Check out the statistics. How many women you know? Have you heard of? How about mama and grandma and them who died from cervical cancer and we just chalked it up as another cancer? Not realizing that this cancer comes from that bacteria that the male can carry on his male organ. And when he makes insertion with the female, these bacteria in these cells, they get to her tissues inside of herself. And when they get in her tissues, they weave their way in, kind of like how we're taught in high school, where the sperm goes and it, it you know, dives its way, molds its way through to, to, to race and have a competition, if you will, to create a baby, right? Well, this, what do you think happens to all the other sperm? You think it all just comes back out? What do you think happens to everything that he may be carrying that it is unseen to the natural eye? We should be more awakened to this than ever since we had in a war we were just in with an invisible virus that we could not see. So what do you think happens to this? That we're not teaching the next generation of uh, young girls and, and young boys about that given the sexual freedom, we're just going to pass out condoms and birth control pills. And then at eight years old, you know, I'm going to get yelled at by my granddaughter because she's going to see a commercial that says, why didn't you tell me that I should have had an HPV shot when I was eight? 
and nine or 13. And then they show them, have y'all seen the commercial where they show them a few years later aged and they are bald because they're going through chemotherapy and they're getting cancer treatments because they have cancer. It's not a cancer that came from the environment. This cancer came sexually transmitted. So these cells weave her what the its way into the tissue in the woman's vagina and they hide in the woman's cells and organs for years. And when they finally show up, they become cancer and they stay in her uterus and her uterus is filled with cancer that will later spread throughout her entire body, breast, liver, uh, back. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the sometimes anal, but not as often anal. And it's not a cancer that's coming from the environment. It's not a cancer that's coming from eating too much sugar. This is sexually transmitted. Can you believe this? Has anyone taught you this? When you go to the doctor, ask these questions. Find, find out. Check me out. I'm here to save your life. I'm working on mine. Sexually transmitted diseases in women often operate like a stealth bomber, remaining silent and invisible for years. For years. The symptoms are internal and hidden, where they are harder to detect surfacing years later, just like the guys you slept with way back then. And now you married a nice guy, hopefully a godly man. And then these diseases want to surface and you don't know to blame him for doing something or if something has been hidden in your past with all the names that you think just because you changed your life that your DNA is not going to remember. If only they had told us the symptoms are internal and hidden while they are harder to detect surfacing years later. The heart is not unlike the body. As Claire discovered, her heart had been bruised more than she would have guessed by her early sexual life. Part of the explanation for the deeper impact lies in our basic makeup. A woman is wired for connection. Write it down. A woman is wired for connection. Like the original Eve, whose name means mother of the living, our identity is about giving life. Write it down. Write it down. Our identity is about giving life. Often when I teach at um, women's conferences or women's workshops, I'm invited to churches or, you know, other events. Um, we often talk about, you know, I'll, I'll pull a couple women out of the audience and I'll say, who are you? And after they finish giving me their first name, their middle name, their maiden name, their married name, um, their family history name, after they finish telling me um, that they are the high priest of Azumba Wakanda, um, you know, I'm Pope so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, um, I'm um, pastor so-and-so, I'm a mother, I'm a wife. After they finish all of that, I say, okay, now tell me who you are. And they look at me like, I just told you everything about me. I've got my degree here. I worked so many years for this company. No, I didn't ask you. I don't ask you what labels have been put on you. I haven't asked you what you have accomplished. See, a lot of women are only known by their accomplishments. Most women are known by the last name of their husband. A lot of women were known by the accomplishments of their children. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking who are you and how we would do this at a woman's conference alone with just the women. 
I would pull, I would purposely pick out people in the audience. She had a you know, couple layer of clothing on because every time she named something that was incorrect, I had her take off a piece of clothing until the socks were off, the shoes was off, the jacket was off, the jewelry started coming off. You know, if they had double shirts on, we take one shirt off. And I'm saying, you're almost naked. You're almost there. You're removing all the labels. You're removing all the stereotypes, all the expectations, all the duties, all the jobs. But I still don't know who you are. Not one woman could at least tell me that I am a life-giving female. Not even that part. I am a life-giving female because that's who you are. Like the original Eve, whose name means mother of the living, our identity is about giving life, having connection with others. We have this wonderful ability, my sisters who are listening on tonight, to foster life and relationship. And you cannot do it bruised. Remember last week we talked about relationship requires every part of you. And when you have pieces of you all over the, the state or all over the world in different uh, area codes, if you have your heart here and your soul there and your mind there and your body there, you're going to struggle in relationship because relationship is going to require every part of you. You were wired for relationship and instead you're trying to be like your counterpart because it's going to keep you safe. It's going to keep you strong. It's going to keep you from losing your mind. It's going to keep you from having your heart broken again. But it doesn't work because you are wired for connection. You are about life giving, not life taking. You have a wonderful ability, woman, to foster life and to foster relationship. So being in and out of relationships is incongruent with your deeper self. It's not who you are. It's simply not the way God made women. The words I just wrote would have been loudly booed a few years back. And sometimes they still do. I get a little attitude, you know, from the young girl. They are still considered politically incorrect. But few knowledgeable people can dispute them now. Not after the latest rounds of brain and hormone research. Come on, we're going to stay on this science exploratory journey that we're taking on tonight. The reality is that the delicate interplay of hormones and the structure of your brain provide ample reason for relationships being central to you as a woman. For the first two years, get it, get this now, for the first two years of your life and again during your puberty your brain is marinated in estrogen the first two years of your life can you imagine what's going on in your little female body the first two years of your life for the first two years of your life and again during puberty your brain is marinated in estrogen that reality combined with a larger hippocampus means that you pick up people cues and put words to feeling staggerly better than the male. That is powerful. You are hardwired for connection and to feel that connection matters to you. Admit it tonight. It matters to me. 
No matter how hard or tough I want to be, I cannot throw myself around. I can't move in and out of relationships. I can't jump in and out of beds. I'm not wired that way. And it's going to backfire against me if I don't get control of my life, if I don't get some love for myself, if I don't get some confidence in who God made me, if I don't get some esteem in who I want to be, this is going to backfire on me. And this is the one thing I do know about the soul. It's not going to hit you when you're already at a low. When you're here nearing promotion, when you're getting ready to graduate, when you're starting a new job, when you're starting a new relationship, when you've started your new life in Christ, that's when all the issues from the soul come up. They don't hit you when you're already down. Trust me, they don't. You think that's what's activated in you, but it's not. It's usually guilt and shame that is burdening you and, and suppressed anger that's burdening you when you're managing depression or oppression. Once you are open to opportunity, when you're feeling good and something great is happening, that's when the soul brings up all of these things in your life, things that you don't know what to do with. So most times we go to the physician, they prescribe a prescription because we're already made of chemical. They add another chemical to you. So now you're taking pills for depression, oppression, whatever. And it's a chemical they're adding to you. So you're made of chemicals already. So now your body that's regulating a little bit, um, maybe a little harder going up the tracks because you're under stress, you're under duress, you're under trauma right now. So your body is struggling, but it's going to work itself out because that's what it was made to do. But when you go to a physician and you get more chemicals, now your body has to learn how to work inside of you with this new chemical that you are now taking. And then people get off meds whenever they want to. They pick them up again if they feel a little low one day. They're not contacting physicians for advice on how to use this stuff. We're jacked up. Do you know that one psychologist taught us in school that for a woman who has taken birth control pills, the same man she married while she was on birth control pills, once she's off birth control pills to begin to, um, you know, make a family, because of the lack of hormones that are no longer going through her body or the blockage of hormones that's, that, that's now going through her body because it was blocked through the birth control pill, her hormonal balance is so different. The man she married and said, I do to, she may not love anymore when she's off the pill. That blew my mind because we're already chemical. We are chemical. And when you add chemical to us, you're shifting estrogen, hormones, uh, your adrenaline is off, your, your blood flows off, just all kind of stuff. Your neurons are pinging and going crazy. So then you get off the birth control pill because you want to start a family. All of a sudden, he doesn't look like he did when you had the birth control pill. Isn't this deep? Is this good stuff? Are they saying anything about this? <laughs> this is some good stuff. I'm not going to get into medication. Take it what it is. Ask your questions. Don't attack on here. Ask your questions and I'll be glad to answer them for you. But these are the things that we're doing to ourselves and we're going mad because we're working outside of our original intent and will. Do you remember what that is? Original intent and will equals purpose. The purpose that you were designed and designated for is completely off the chart. So now we're adding chemicals to what already is chemicals. Uh, we're smelling more, we're smelling less. We're hearing more, we're hearing. We are 
off the chain. Our emotions are up. Our emotions are down. We don't even know who we are. And we refuse to go to the book to find out who we are. We refuse to go to our pastors or spiritual leaders to find out who we are. So we just follow Cosmopolitan Magazine. We follow all the reality shows that are on TV. And we're going to make ourselves who we look up to. And how's that working out for you? Shall I continue? Are the women still with me? Hopefully the brothers are sticking with me. I know one of my apostle friends, Apostle Witten, said he and his wife are going to be on tonight. God bless you, my brother. So that reality alone, combined with a larger hippocampus, means that you are able to pick up on cues and put words to feelings staggerly better than a guy. You are hardwired for connection. And to feel this connection matters more to you, female. So when a relationship falls apart, that registers too. The normal sadness anyone feels after six times, listen to this. Oh, this is so good. I wanted to post this up there, but I didn't want to scare off the other half of my audience tonight. So when a relationship falls apart, that registers in a woman as well. Listen, the normal sadness anyone would feel affects six times as many neurons in the brain of a woman than a man. Should I read that again? And then I'm going to paraphrase it for you. The normal sadness anyone would feel affects six times as many neurons in the brain of a woman than a man. So you're going to hurt six times more than him with the breaking down of that relationship or that communication or that intimacy or the, 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 the whatever you were getting from it. You're going to feel that sadness six times more. And I'm going to say six times more at least because what they're teaching us here is that it's really six times as many neurons. So it may be six times six or six times six million, but six times more you're going to hurt than he has from that breakup. And that's why some men can marry and move on. And that woman says, I'm still going to get my husband back. That man could have married, moved on, has kids and thinks that you and he have a very good friendship now. And inside of your mind, we're going to get married yet. I'm going to get my husband back or you just don't move on. Or you're going to be like my next example. And you're just going to pick some safe guy and think you're going to hide out under a safe guy and use him so that you can hide from all the bruising and damage that you've done to yourself. But you know that love don't live there and never did. Six times more neurons than a man. You're going to feel everything at a greater level. And you wonder why he's moved on. Chemically, he can. Y'all ain't with me tonight. So when a relationship falls apart, she's going to register that with six times the neurons in the brain than a man. The common expression then that a woman just feels more deeply, a statement often accusingly, has an actual physiological basis to it. So you can understand that when a woman asks a counselor to help her learn how to be with men sexually and walk away and not be upset, which is what she perceives a man is doing, a counselor can only shake her head. You know why? It's like asking for the counselor to give you a lobotomy. It is impossible. You are designed woman. Let me minister to you for a moment. You are designed to bring a special capacity for ever increasing levels of depth and intimacy into a relationship with a man. 
It is one of the best qualities God gave to you as woman. It's a tragedy and it's tragic to have that capacity for relationship diminished because your ability to trust is so bruised. But that is what every woman experiences. Everything in a woman cries out for relationship that endures. She is much less able to love a man and to leave him than he is her. The message that she should be able to walk away unaffected as a man supposedly does must be drilled into her over and over and over again. It does not come naturally to her. And as we all will see in this next discussion, broken sexual bonds have their own negative effects in the lives of men. Now, I'm not going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to leave the men part for next week. I want to stick to this and I want to get it ingrained in you. I want you to care about your body, care about your health. I want you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And you cannot do it if you don't respect who God made you. Let's talk about the emotional scarring, because that's what we're leading up to in this conversation. I can tell you as a therapist that it's hard work for all the reasons that I've already talked about to help a woman get through a painful breakup with a man. It's hard almost to the degree that she is sexually involved with him. Listen, as a social commentator noted recently, getting over a relationship takes twice the time of the relationship itself. Where's my mic? I had a mic in here. I need to drop it. I got a mic. Here's my mic. Let me drop my mic. Did you hear what I said? Let, 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 let me just read that again to you. Getting over a relationship for a woman takes twice the time of the relationship itself to get over. So how long were you with him? So double that. That's how long it's going to take you to get over him. And it doesn't matter who left who, who hurt who, even for women who try to dodge going through divorce care. We offer divorce care at our church. It's a, it's about, I don't know, I think it's eight to 12 week of counseling for divorce care. Children of divorced families need it. And now because not everyone is running to the altar, the end of long-term relationships should consider themselves a divorce. Because in the earth realm, we use divorce as a decree, as a piece of paper. But a divorce is when you divide anything. And when you have given your soul um, consistently to someone, now there is a division. There is a dividing of that soul. You need to go get divorce care counseling because you need to know how to fix what is broken. You need to be able to see what is broken. You need to be able to become self-aware so that you can self-regulate, um, to be motivated again. There's a lot of work that you have to do. That's why God intended it for one man and one woman, not because he knew that sex was so good that he didn't want you to enjoy it. He knew how powerfully authoritative and dangerous it would be if it was used in the wrong way. Thus us in 2020. So let me get my mic out so I can drop it again. Getting over a relationship takes twice the time of the relationship itself for a woman. So you think it was just six months and you left him, you moved on, but you have not moved on woman because internally your makeup, your neurons, your, your, your processing, your heart, there's no way for you to move on. Even if you just replaced the side of the bed with someone else, 
You have not. It is going to come up if it takes five years, five months, or, 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 or 15 years. That breakup is going to show up in your life somewhere. That's why I'm spending these Sunday evenings with us all. Women describe their post-breakup period like a flu bug that is hard to shake. Let me read from, again, Danielle Crittenden. She explains the phenomenon to us. All the sexual bravado a girl may possess evaporates the first time a boy she truly cares for makes it clear that he has no further use for her after his own body has been satisfied. No amount of feminist posturing, no amount of reassurances that she doesn't need a guy like that anyway, can protect her from the pain and humiliation of those awful moments after he's gone. When she's alone and feeling not sexually empowered, but discarded. Again, men do not escape the pain, but you won't see many of them agonizing in introspection, searching for their hidden flaws that must have surely somehow caused this breakup like women do. I have found that women more often ask the painful question after a breakup, what is wrong with me? Physical intimacy feels like an investment of oneself. Thus, leaving or being left prompts a good deal of self-doubt and self-guessing. So if you start out a relationship and no one has taken the time to mature you as a, a girl to a woman, to mature you in how uh, the power that you hold sexually and as being um, the life giver, the creator, the connector of all relationships, if you're not starting out with a foundation and then you just open yourself up to breakup after breakup, relationship after relationship, the self-doubt and the second guessing is going to be at an all-time low. One's naked self feels exposed from the breakup and unwanted. For many women, it is hard to pull out of this downward introspective spiral. Even when a woman regains her objectivity, she still feels that it is a huge risk to enter into another relationship. She asks, how much of my heart am I willing to trust a man with? She measures out tiny bits of herself, reluctantly never letting anyone get too close. From the impossible bind, a woman often moves into another relationship she later regrets. She thinks, this time, I will find a man who appreciates me. So what does this woman do? She chooses a safe man. Brothers, I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I wasn't the one giving away the secrets to the girls' nights. But you may have to find out, are you the safe man? And hopefully she can be honest enough because she loves you enough and realizing that it has nothing to do with you. She just moved on when her soul should not have even uh, gotten a promotion in any type of way yet. Her self-doubt, her relapsing into sexual memories, her flashbulb memories, herself with full of second guessing, went and did the smartest logical thing. Find a safe man. And often these marriages don't last. Because you were not the object of her affection. She found you to be safe. So she chooses a safe man, but one hardly worth her affection. 
If that's you, you're definitely going to struggle in intimacy and sex with her because you were just the safe man, but not the man. I'm so sorry. But there's help. There's help. There's a lot of counselors and marriage counselors and Christian counselors and sexual um, counselors that can help bring this bridge together. Someone just has to go into that gut and reach in there and take out Ronnie, Bobby, Mickey, Mike and Prince and 50 Cent and everybody else that's in there and pull all them brothers out and minister to her soul. And it needs to happen also with you there. Because she needs to feel that safeness and that security and build her oxytocin with you and see you as her protector and her comforter and you not just another one of the guys that she, remember last Sunday, that she feels sex are the do's, D-U-E-S, of a relationship. So when she has sex to, with you, she's just paying her dues as a wife for the safe man. You give her security. You give her uh, safety. You give her um uh, what's the other word? Um, financial dependence. You might be Mr. Safe Man. I know it might feel disrespectful and hurtful to hear, but there is a way to save this marriage. Oh, my time is running out. She chooses a safe man, but he's hardly the one that's worth her affection. I will find a man, this woman thinks, who won't leave me. She accepts the attention of a man, ignoring the glaring wed, red warning signals. He's thoughtless, inconsiderate, too often looking out for his own interests. But he's not going to leave, so I'm going to keep him. The pain of prying a woman apart from a man with whom she has bonded sexually can be wrenching and blinding for some time to come. One of the hidden repercussions of combining sex and relationship is the way a woman can learn to step out of her body. I hear this often from men and women um, when they were boys and girls and they were molested or when they were raped. So if you are married to someone who was molested or raped any time in their life, they're going to struggle in some ways with you if they have not gone through therapy. Sexually, they're going to struggle with you. And what they do is they either take on another identity or they leave their physical body and they go into this place and they let you enjoy their physical body. And in their mind, they're in a place called D-E-N-I-A-L, denial of what is going on right now, just to get through the moment. And it's sad because sex is so powerful and most enjoyable and just what it does to the chemicals in our body that makes us healthy. You know, the more sex you have, you can lose weight. I mean, there's just so many benefits to sex. It's just such a healthy part of what God intended for this piece of our life to be. And when we don't understand it, we're, we, 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 we open the doors to so many things besides just um, not being satisfied in our marriages, but our health, our wealth, our soul, our well-being. Sex is a part of who God made us. So she's with Mr. Safe Man now. So too often, the repercussions of her being intimate or him being intimate with her, because he could have been brokenhearted and found Mrs. Safe Woman. And combining sex in the relationship, it causes this person to easily maneuver themselves. This is what Claire taught us. She said, I send my body out to relate to him. But the real me is floating in space somewhere. I'm thinking about work or church or my friends or a television show or what I want to do later when it's done or tomorrow. But I am essentially unconnected. Your body may experience pleasure, but you have stepped out for the moment. When things fall apart, you aren't affected as deeply 
or so it seems. Sadly, this is nearly the exact same dynamic by which a woman can stay in an abusive relationship. Listen, y'all who are in toxic, abusive relationships, let the Holy Spirit minister to all of us tonight. This is nearly the exact same dynamic by which a woman who is in an abusive relationship, this is how you stay in that abusive relationship. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. You are able to stay in that abusive relationship for a long time because you pretend and your pretending rises to the level of an art form. It is an art form for you now. It is not anything different than any habit that you have during the day, whether as soon as you get up in the morning, you go into daily devotion or you walk yourself down the hallway to use the bathroom or to brush your teeth. It has become a habitual art form for you that it has just rise to a new level of pretending. You get so used to stepping out of your body that you don't attend to the way you're being treated. Everyone sees how he or she treats you, but you have completed and mastered an art form at pretending. So you disappear out of your body while this abuse, whether it's in sexual, verbal, emotional abuse, you leave your body and you leave the body to them to abuse while you float around somewhere in space. It has become an art form to you. And that is not your purpose. Wake up. Hear the bell ringing in your life. There is purpose for your life. You were predestined to be in this earth. You were chosen maybe over other people. You're still alive over many of your friends and family members and other people your age. You survived this pandemic that we all just went through. Get out of this denial life. Get out of this pretense, this pretending life. Get out of thinking you don't matter and someone else matters more than you, that you're going to disappear out of something, whether it's your life or a sexual time with this person so that they can have their way just so you can get what out of this. Because there's something that you are getting out of this that you choose to stay in this situation. Get therapy, get counseling. Praying is not enough because sometimes when we pray, we hear the God we want to hear. We hear the voice we want to hear. And you need someone who loves you enough but not as emotionally connected to you that can stand up and tell you the truth about who you are. Come on, I got to end. We've got we've to go. Pretending rises to the level of an art form for this individual. And you get so used to stepping out of your body that you don't even attend to the way you're being treated. And everyone else sees it. As in Claire's story, it's an emotional skill learned in multiple sexual encounters. Perhaps you're asking at this point how a lifestyle of having sex with, with guys or even gals, because women can get emotionally attached the same way, with guys can become a setup for abusive relationships with men. It's a fair question. The best explanation is in the nature of the sexual experience itself. When sexual intimacy happens inside the bonds of marriage, both parties have given up a measure of their independence in order to take on a real responsibility for the other person. Or as the common expression goes, marriage is an assault on your selfishness. And again, this is God's design. I've got so much more to give you. 
we've got to go for tonight. Our time is far past. I understand the anointing lifts and time spans are getting shorter and shorter. I want you to marinate on this. I want you to hashtag replay it, tag a friend, share it on a page. I want you to help me make this thing go viral so that we can bring back sexuality into the power and the core of who we are, of what God intended. Let's work towards saving the next generation. Let's begin to equip and empower our young men and women who don't realize HPV is from sexually transmission. Um, cervical cancer is sexually transmitted. We can save a generation by educating them. Come on and help me educate them. Will you tag, share, post, subscribe to the YouTube page and You'll be abreast next Sunday night. I'll be on again. If you'd like to sew, I'm sure they're probably going to be putting it up now. If y'all moderators can put up the email address, the website address, um, you can sew through the website, but they'll put up the cash app and all those other fun things that y'all end up emailing me about. But that's it for tonight. I hope this ministered to someone out here. You can email your testimonies. I am open to um, hearing and reading your testimonies. Um, some of y'all want to just share your experiences. If you'd like me to share your experience or your testimony, please put in it. And I give you permission to post this without my name or with my name, whatever you choose to do. Most I will post without the name. And I will ask, do you mind if I post it even without your name? Because sometimes if you're not delivered from that thing, reading it yourself can send you in a little tizzy. So. That's it for tonight. What are you saying? The prayer line is open. Okay. And if you need prayer tonight, if this has ministered to your soul and you need prayer tonight, you want us to pray this thing closed. You were opened up tonight and you want us to close portals. You want us to uh, pray for your broken heart. Pray for the abusive relationships that maybe you are in. Pray because you believe you married the safe man and how you're treating him isn't fair. Pray because maybe you married the safe woman and you can't give her or him what they need. If you want prayer tonight, our operators are standing by. If you get our voicemail, Please just leave your phone number. Our operators are going to call you back ASAP. The phone number to call is 860-222-9884. 860-222-9884. We were answering your prayer request. Um, there's a backup line, but I don't have it in front of me. But if you call that line and it's busy or it goes to our answer machine or says we're closed, please just leave your phone number. You can even text it. Say, I need prayer and put your phone number in. We will call you back even via text. 860-222-9884. Can somebody put on the line on the screen for me, please? Prayer lines are open. 860-222-9884. You can even text that number and say, Please call me for prayer and we will call you back for prayer tonight. We have prophetic intercessors. We have prophets. We have intercessors. We are equipped, trained and developed and ready to lead you into this healing and deliverance on tonight. So, Father, I pray over those whose ears and hearts have been opened on tonight. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for divine, prophetic, and strategic intervention to minister to their souls on tonight, to portals that were open on tonight, to windows and doors that were open on tonight, that they would be ministered to do and, and, and to the wholeness of who they are, that you would keep them, Father, that even in their resting place tonight, that the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, will minister to this soul, Father. They love you, God. They're just stuck and they're trapped and they think that time has healed and time doesn't heal. Time just helps it go away into another part of our mind. We pray for wholeness, completeness, healing and deliverance, Father, in the name of Jesus. The chief 
counselor, the Holy Spirit, minister to your people on tonight. Maybe open themselves up to you and allow spiritual interference to come in from heaven that angels may minister on the behalf of the kingdom. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you and good night. And I'll see you next Sunday at 8 p.m. Thank you.